Okay, and, and we're live now. We're live now. Cool, 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 cool. I will take a copy paste and whack it into the Discord. Because Nashan hasn't sorted it yet. New <laughs> <laughs> announcements. Oh yeah, I should I should probably change the, the stream details. Yeah, this is basic stuff to be honest, Nashan. <laughs> this is this is this is really professional. So, let me get that in there at Lou Blades. Bam. What episode are you? Oh, like episode nine. Just make it up, mate. No, no, no one listens to them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll give it a bit. How are you doing, Lou? How's it been? Yes, not too bad, man. Not too bad at all. Thank you for having me, uh, gents. Much it's appreciated. Good. It's, uh, it's, 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 uh, for the topics that are coming on, for the that are coming on today, um, it's it's important we get that Sheffield United view. But you know, um, what's it like? I mean, you're the, you're the second guest we've had on at this point now. Obviously, the first was a uh, game legend, which I believe you played, didn't you? In the in the in the drafts um, earlier. Well, I say earlier this week, a couple of weeks ago. You did. Well, what are you thinking about that now? I mean, you came close. I thought you were going to do it. As always, um, always come close. It was quite nice, actually, because he's a Newcastle fan. And obviously, I'm a Sheffield United fan. Neither of us are used to winning games of football yeah. at the moment. So at least one of us did get to win one. <laughs> um, but no, it were, uh, and he's, he's a cracking guy and all. So uh, no, it's always close, but no cigar. So, um, you know, maybe next time. <laughs> but, um, Back and have a rethink, maybe. yeah. I mean, your tactics are a bit different. I mean, you say Newcastle aren't used to winning games, good draw against Spurs, mm. but I think they're quite common right now. Uh, getting getting points over there, mm, that, was, yeah. that was that was some game, man. But I mean, speaking speaking about you know, just until like people obviously start joining, just talking about um, yourself, um, why don't you give like a brief little, a little uh, introduction to who you are and uh, what you do. Yeah, so obviously I'm Lewis. I'm I'm from Sheffield, um, born and raised there. Um, now um, I started YouTube and streaming. So when lockdown kicked in, always fancied giving it a go. Um, I'd done some sort of comparing and a bit of comedy and stuff like that. So um, how hard could it be with a camera in your face rather than do you know what I mean? Hundred people stood there hoping <laughs> that you're going to make them laugh. Um, I think on McKins, I played McKins in draft the other day and I got called most northern person his chat I'd ever heard. Um, which they said they were a Geordie in, in draft as well, where I take that <laughs> as a compliment. Uh, but no, um, I've been watching, I've been Chef United fan for about, well, I'm 28, I've been going 28, 20 years, season ticket, uh, apart from a year or so, which I missed um, due to work commitments. Um, so yeah, um, I've seen as, um, Lose more than we win, and down in League One, um, and then obviously this this tremendous rise we've had um, before it falls flat on its face again. But but no, uh, wouldn't change it for the world. And uh, and like I say, it's um, just been it's been surreal, really. I've do you know what I mean never been on YouTube or anything, and then suddenly I'm sat with you guys and playing in drafts <laughs> and streaming and things. It's, it's nah, weird. it's been fun. It's been fun. I remember. I remember. Um, I remember how we met actually. Which uh, I was when when mm. it was back when I actually streamed, and um, I was just looking at every day we'd raid someone, and we'd raid someone who um, looked like they just started out. So we were trying to hit that under fifty mark, and you're the only one I've kept contact with. 
so that's a big compliment to you. Uh, mm. I think you're one of the you're one of the first people <laughs> that that we did it with, and uh, off the back of that, we started doing it more and more. But there was no one who quite who I quite talked to like I did with yourself. And now it's good to see that you carried it mm. on, and obviously that we're sat here right now. Um, as a Sheffield United fan, though, what's what's your favorite mm. era? You know, your favorite season. I, I'm going to presume it was last if you were able to go to the games and that sort of thing, but. What what sort of season would you say was the best one uh, that you were able to go and witness? Best one, um, I'd say the believe it or not, the League One season, um, the League One season when we were we got hundred hundred points. Um, that season was just amazing. Um, I remember we lost his first four games. We were bottom at league, um, and I remember I go with my dad. I've gone with my dad since do you know what I mean? Since he started taking me. Um, and we were sat 3-0 down at home to South End after 20 minutes at home, bottom of League One, and we thought, God, I'll win for a season here. Um, and then they brought Paul Cooks on, and the rest was history, and, and that has got to be my favourite season. Obviously, my favourite result were when we went to Hillsborough, the season we got promoted into Championship and we beat them 4-2. Um, we'd been told we were a pub side, and it was John Fleck and all this, and what, and we got Leon Clark up front, and and we went there and did them four two. So that's probably the highlight game. But but no, that league one season was something we else. Saw it. Nah, that sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So what's it? What's it like now for a Sheffield fan? I mean, after this amazing journey which the club has been on and that incredible season last year, like what's kind of the fallout? It's. <sighs> The, I've, I've stayed off Twitter a lot this year because, um, as you know, I mean, it's like Manchester United fans and fans are, are sort of bigger clubs. You get a lot of opinions and I'm one of these. I'm not distraught. Um, I weren't after the first 10 games of the season. We were losing by the odd goal. I felt we were in games um, and the performances bar one or two were, were near enough there. Um, look, we're going down to the championship. It, it's not a disaster for Sheffield United to be playing in championship. I'd say on size on the size of our club, we're probably a top championship, bottom premiership kind of club. That's where we are. Um, similar to our, our neighbours across City. Um, they're sort of in that range as well. Um, and there's a few clubs like that. There's Birmingham and, and teams down in that championship. And to be honest with you, I think VAR as well. And I, I know you've, you've done podcasts on VAR and, and we spoke about it at length. Um, I'll be glad to get to championship and be able to celebrate a goal <laughs> properly, um, and not have to wait for three minutes for a referee to come to Is that because uh, you know it won't take three minutes, or the fact that you'll actually score goals when you're in the championship? <laughs> <laughs> bit of both. Bit of both. Um, but I'm sure. Well, everybody. Can, well, I'm sure we're going to get onto signings and recruitment and anything and everything in a bit. But no. Um, that championship's a cracking league. It's it's Tuesday, Saturday. Um, it's a cracking league, and uh, there's no disgrace to be playing each other. The second divisions are always quite underrated, uh-huh. from my own experience. Being my local club is also second division club, mm. but I guess you know one thing which I found very interesting from this whole thing was when Prince Abdullah came on Sky, because that was the first time that I've seen like an owner just full mm-hmm. on honest. Be like, hey, this is the reason why uh, we parted ways with this manager. And, you know, like Chris Wilder, mm-hmm. like I remember last season and when he was guiding, you know, Sheffield up the leagues and when he was playing his overlapping center backs and the praise and the heroics he was getting. 
to find out that this season he tried to resign twice, right? Like to me, even though I'm a complete neutral in this situation, that that kind of almost hurt. So what was it like for you? I, w- I was of the opinion, and and Prince Abdullah came out. He did a, a, an interview on on local radio earlier on in the season, and he said, "Look, if we lose every game to end the season, Chris Wilder will still be manager of Sheffield United." Um, and I was of the similar opinion. I felt that he didn't he didn't the right to walk. He didn't the right to say, "Look, I've done. I can't do any more here, and it's time I left." Um, I've actually watched that interview again today and um, before I come on I've, I've watched that full interview for half an hour I didn't mind it um, and I know you've got sort of Simon, jo- uh, Simon Jordan who goes on talk sport and speaks very openly and candidly about his time as a as an owner um, and I think it, it's it's transparent for fans now whether you believe him or not whether it's all factual I mean I'm sure Chris Wilder's side will come out in many years to come um, I didn't mind it, and and I've sat this afternoon and rewatched it. Sort of when the emotions took out of it, maybe a month or so later. And there's a lot of points in there you can't disagree with, um, and the fact that he was going to give him that time. But for me personally, as soon as as soon as he wants, he thought in his head, I'm going to resign. There shouldn't have been no more hanging about. Um, he loves a football club, and I believe everything he's done in the in the four or five years he's been here has been in the best interest of that. There's a lot of money when he gets at Premiership. And if he, if he resigns in League One, he probably walks away with, with not a lot of money. Um, but if he, if, he want, if he gets sacked at Premiership, right. he walks away with four million. Money talks, doesn't it? Uh, 100%, 100%. What about, what about your thoughts on Chris Wilder's um, demand for that money. I mean, if you want to leave the club, a club obviously doesn't have the right to pay you. But I don't know. I felt I felt quite uneasy that the club was so willing to come out with that. I know you're saying transparency is good, but ultimately, you know for a fact that Chris Wilder has signed a non-disclosure agreement and cannot d- defend mm. what was said or even maybe even refute it, depending on the ins and outs mm-hmm. and the legalities surrounding it. I thought it was a poor decision from the club, especially to kind of, it seemed, mm-hmm. it seemed a lot of people thought, you know, negatively about Wilder after it and to tarnish, if it, whether that was the intention or not, to tarnish the name of the dude who, without anyone else, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have had that season in the Premier League. You wouldn't be able to attract a player from your Alexander mm-hmm. Berge, whether it paid off or not. Do you think what, what's your what's your what's your view on that and sort of the Chris Wilder side of it? Do you do you do you think that it was being a, a bit silly, or do you think that it was it could have been a bit wrong for the chairman to come out and said what he said? I think the fallout after on on in terms of Twitter and and the fan base itself, and and you've got to take you've got to take Twitter for what it is. I I don't believe that Twitter gives a an open and honest representation of what the 25,000 people in the stand think on a Saturday afternoon. I've never thought that. Um, but some of it was toxic towards the board and, and personal as well. Do you know what I mean? Let's let's not get away from that. And I'd say it were 90% in favour of Chris Wilder. And and some of the stuff that, that is on Twitter, because everybody can sit behind a keyboard nowadays and say what they want, and, and there's no repercussions from it. Um, if I'd have been on the end of those tweets... 100% I'd want to have come out and, and gave my side of the story. Now, there were some snippets in that interview that I sat there and thought, 
yeah, probably don't say that. And that's not going to win you any brownie points with fan base either. Um, but it's it's a very difficult it's a difficult balance. Um, I don't think Chris Wilder's reign at Sheffield United will be looked back on with anything other than admiration and gratitude by any supporter. Me, who's been a, a fan for twenty years, he's given me the best four or five years of my my life watching United and some of the football we've played. All right, not this season, but overlapping centre-backs. We've got Chris Basham, who were a £250,000 signing from Blackpool, wherever we were from, who arguably one of the best defenders in Premiership last year, stats-wise at least. And he's, do you know what I mean? It's, I don't think it'll tarnish Chris Wilder, and I'm sure in years to come he'll be back at Bramall Lane. When you have your legends back and, and people like that, I'm sure Chris Wilder will be probably yeah. the first I feel like there. the sacking of Chris Wilder I mean, was just such a PR disaster for the club, you know? And them kind of coming in out and, and defending, and specifically the owner defending the club and kind of putting their side of the story out there, I feel like it it, it maybe redeems them to some extent, maybe with some people, right? And also, it's just, I feel yeah. like if, if I was a Sheffield fan, I would be kind of glad about it, right? Like, because the thing about football clubs is that they're not exactly your typical business, right? They are a social club at their core. And that level of transparency, I feel, is important to serve the function of a football club. And the fact that you have an owner who doesn't just understands it, but embraces it, I feel like that's a big positive going forward. But one thing I want to kind of, before we, you know, I want to take kind of a step away from Wilder and kind of towards the owner. One thing which stood out to me was the owner said that a lesson that he had learned was that he wanted to stand his ground much more with any future manager, especially when it comes to transfer policy. And I think he suggested at creating a, a transfer committee-like system, right? So what are your thoughts on that, on, on, on the future kind of, of Sheffield transfers versus how they were done? Um, I, th- I think it will change. Um, I, th- I think it's it's got to change, and uh, we've been talking about this in, in, in my my group of mates, and, and I, I've gone through the transfers this afternoon, and they've been poor. They've been poor. There's no doubt about it. They've been poor, and and I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to slate Brewster. I'm, I'm not going to slate Ramsdale. Um, when we signed those players, we were a team who just finished ninth in the Premiership. And and I and I'm and I'm absolutely sick to the back teeth of seeing on Twitter and everything. McBurney's going to tear it up in Championship next season. Brewster's going to tear it up in Championship next season. They mind. You've paid forty. How many other teams in Championships got a forty million pound forward line? When we signed those players, we were not a team that was looking to build towards the Championship. Now. In fairness to McBurney, he came in the year before and, and did okay in his first season. And and I'm not I've seen McBurney play against us for Swansea, I've seen him play against us for Barnsley. He looked a player. In a red and white shirt, I can't see what that player is. I can see what he should be, and I can see the abilities that he's got that possibly could portray that. He wants to be a he wants to be a Giroud. He wants to he's been linked with Wolves um the over the weekend. A fifteen million pound transfer to Wolves to to stand in for Jimenez, um, but I think the be all and end all of it is we've signed players who are Championship players, and but this is not a recent problem. 
we've had players since we came up from League One, we've signed players that have left the club uh, maybe six to 12 to 18 months later. But it doesn't matter if you sign somebody from MK Dons for 200,000. It, it's not a problem. We signed Carruthers. He spent probably, what, 12 months here. Total failed signing, really, apart from towards end of League One. He's out of the door. Similarly with Ricky Holmes. We've had these players all the way along that have not been fantastic transfers. And now when you start spending 15 and 20 millions instead of 150 and 200 thousands, the, the pressure and the, and the amount of sort of press it gets and they highlighted the mistakes. Um, and I do agree that we're going to now go down a route where the board and I think whether it's the director of football, um, I think it's is it Jules Van Winkle. He's or he's sort of around um, this uh, this guy, this Dutch guy who's around. He's been sort of in the background a while, um, and he's going to have people now. And I think we'll go similar to a Barnsley rule. I mean, we look how well Barnsley are doing at the moment in the Championship. They've they've got this money ball system that they implement, and they bring a coach in to suit the players that the that the long term strategy is promoting. I think we'll go down that route, and it's. it's why not, really? And they've got one hell of a core of players to get right. on with when they so, first start. One thing which, and I'm sorry, mm. Nayan, I was just, this is my final question. I'll let Nayan go. So, thank you. So, uh, yeah, go, go basically, I, I remember one of the, one thing which I heard a lot from the owner when it came to the transfer policy, discussing the transfer policy, was this whole idea of, of players in other leagues, specifically foreign players. And how you mentioned, well, they were looking at a player in the Bundesliga who's performing well, you know, probably looking at a few other players across Europe. But it was very clear that Weiler was mostly signing player within the UK, specifically within England, right? So how much how much does that weigh to you as a fan that your club was signing specifically English players, even though they might have costed a lot more than some of these continental guys? I think it, it's a culture that that were brought at Bramall Lane, and, and it's, we've always, from from when we were in League One, we've we've built a team and a, a culture that was predominantly UK and uh, do you know what I mean, British players. Um, and there's there's a bit of a throwback at times to uh, a probably an older era where they do go out for a beer. Do you know what I mean? There, there is this different style um, of of man management, and and that's what creates that team ethic. Is it as easy for somebody from, I don't know, so we say Senegal, somewhere like that, to come in and be in, be integrated into that team? I would hope with the pros that we've got and the group that we've got, your Billy Sharps and your Bashams and your John Egans and people like that, yes, they could be integrated. But I think Wilder knew the UK and Irish market very well as he's come up through the lower leagues. And when, we've got, when you get to the top, if you can't compete with Newcastle for Callum Wilson on wages, now that's not saying that Sheffield United is in that interview. He says, "Look, we have got a couple of players on fifty thousand ish." Do you know what I mean? We're not paying pittance, but if I was Callum Wilson, would I go to Newcastle? Or would I go to Sheffield United? When when St James's Park is full, Newcastle are a bigger club than Sheffield United. That that's just how it is. So I think that's where it'll change now. But I mean, I'm also a big believer in youth. I think we've got a cracking youth academy there. And we've got players, Reese Norrington Davis, who's um, currently in the Wales squad. Um, we've got um, a Tunisian international down there. We've got some good young players. Um, so I don't necessarily think we need to be expanding all over the world in his recruitment. But 
if we're going to have a more continental based manager, which I think is what we will have, um, then I think that's. Do you think you'll natural. be able to um, lure that continental manager in being in the championship, though? That's probably the direction they're taking. I don't know if you'll find anyone fresh. Probably mm. someone who's not done particularly well in England previously in the Prem. Um, who, who would you ideally want to? This. this... And you know, no, I won't, because um, I don't think, <laughs> no, I won't want Pep Guardiola. Um, no, I would. I wouldn't mind a bit of Kevin De Bruyne and Aguero, but uh, I mean, Aguero's way out of club. I mean, we might as well, haven't we? No. Um, I, think you've, I think the name that's been banded about is Jukanovic, who were at Fulham previously. Um, that would be, a, a, I think he's going to command a high salary, though. Um, so whether that will be a sticking point, I'm not sure. Um, personally, I mean, you've got to be looking at that Barnsley manager. You've got to be looking at the Barnsley manager. He, he's done very well with a sort of limited resources. Um, and I think apart from that, I'm not one of these that goes, we've got to get a DL, we've got to get a big, big name. Typically, it's Sheffield United. I mean, we had Nigel Atkins in League One. He coming as a big name. Brian Robson, we had. David Weir, who, or not a big name in management, but a big name as a player. Never done really well at Bramall Lane. And Chris Wilder come in as somebody who'd been at Oxford and Northampton. And, and look where that led us. I mean, I just wanted to go through some of the comments. But so, Big Cheese FM says that Wilder was inevitably going to get sacked. Um, but yeah, well, so the season he had last season, and obviously getting them promoted and brought him that time. But I, I think from, from what I gather is that he was going to get sacked. Well, anybody else would have been much oh, earlier. Um, Groundworks is asking, how much do you think you'll get for Burge? Uh, um, I, th- I think you'll get your money back. I mean, what were you, somewhere up to 25, 30 million? Um, I mean, the players that's rumoured to be, uh, sorry, the clubs that's rumoured to be interested in him in terms of Arsenal and, and Villa know how to swash out a transfer yeah. fee. Because um, anybody we seem to look, I mean, that's another story that we can go on to. But um, Villa, Villa will probably chuck an extra five million on top of whatever somebody else is willing to pay. Um, but it's worked for him, so I'm not, I'm not disputing that. So yeah, I think Sanderberg's probably his most valuable yeah. commodity. It depends if he's got sold. a relegation release clause as well. I'd imagine a player like him would. But you know, mm-hmm. like even with the Sanderberg transfer, when you signed Burge, I was like, okay. Sheffield mean business, but I feel like mm. Wilder just didn't really know what to do with Source. Like, Burge is a saucy player. He's, he's not like the um, hard-running Lundstrom's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically. <laughs> that's, it's, it's, not, it's not what he's used to. Um, and so I feel like the saucy player yeah. coming in, it was a bit, um, you know, mm, like it just didn't use him right. Um I think mm. I think maybe it's that. Do you think Chris Wilder is suited for the Prem? I know he had that really good season. There was a lot of momentum, and they had a fantastic goalkeeper in net as well during that. But in terms of you know um, separating what you'd imagine and what you think about you know grassroots English football being, that seems to be what he struggled with mm. when they were starting to bring in those foreign commodities. That's that's why that's when he started to fall a little bit and wasn't able to get the best out of him. I mean. I think, yeah, the the Sanderberg one, believe it or not, I think that's where it started to go wrong. Um, and, and anybody who plays fantasy football, I've got John Lundstrom in the team every week, haven't they? 
Now, John Lundstrom had not played for us really in League One. Uh, I think he joined just after, actually, he joined the Championship. It would deem not good enough to go in team at League One uh, Championship level. Now, he got into the team in pre-season and before we started in Premiership, and he had a purple patch. Then we signed Sander Berg. Now, that was his position under threat, and that's when it all kicked off with Lundstrom. Now, we've had players on our rise up there, like Mark Duffet, who... Is one of the he's, he's one of my favourite players ever. Um, as soon as they put Wilder's nose out of joint a bit and said, I'm not signing a contract, so I want more money, they were out of the door. There were no waiting about. John Lundstrom's still playing for us now. And he's not signed a contract and he's going to go for free at the end of the season. And I think that's where maybe just a little cracks in the culture and just a little bit of the whatever it's... You can't challenge the manager. I think that's where it appeared to go wrong. Sanderberg is a classy, classy player. We got Norwood who were playing in the, the sort of deep line playmaker role. Sanderberg hasn't got the same type of passing range which Norwood's got, but he's a lot more mobile and obviously he's a young international. He's he's, he's better, but um, yeah, I think that's where it started to go wrong. Do I think Chris Wilder can do it in the Premiership? Yes, but I don't think he's going to be at a club such as... He's not going to go to a, I don't know, a Burnley. I think a Burnley's yeah. an option, a Crystal Palace. A, do you know what I mean? A, New, a Newcastle is probably as good as I he's think gonna he's going to get. He's going to graft if he's in the Prem, graft um, to survive. And I know it sounds daft. I think it's more your northern sides because it's, it's a different type of football, and it? it's cut and thrust. The Burnley fans love a big tackle. Sheffield United fans do. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a bit more of that than possibly a ticky-tacker, maybe sort of a Watford style with all their continental signings. Mm, yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, to come to come, I guess, full circle with the Sheffield United. I mean, you've been you've been relegated for about four months now. What what do you think's in store mm. for you next season? I mean, you've got plenty of time. The players know what's happening. You're McGoldrick, so I think will probably stay. Sharp will probably stay. I think you've got a lot of players who will mm. stay. I can't imagine Basham really leaving, or you know, a few of the others. No. What what do you what do you think is in for you next season? I think the manager you bring in is obviously key, um, especially if you bring in if you bring in a foreign manager. I think it'll be very very interesting because it'll be a different type of dynamic of football. Mm. Um, what do you think will be the outcome this time next year? What do you think Sheffield United will be looking at? With fans back in the ground, I think with fans back in the ground, if we if we we're back to that, that's been a massive, a really huge detriment to us. We were Bramal Lane rocking is is one of the best places in the world to be for me, like. But um, no, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going straight back up. Uh, I know Watford and Norwich have done it. Um, well, Watford are getting there. Bournemouth are sort of teetering, yeah. aren't they? They're sort of nearly there. I think if I think if we get in playoffs, we'll not win them <laughs> because we never win playoffs. I'll, I think we're going to be in top six, and I would not say any top bigger six than is that than um, at this current moment. Top six is better than Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think they're are they winning at the moment, but no, I mean, to be honest, it'd be nice if they went down as well because. <laughs> I mean, Nakhan, going back to you reading the comments, you thermals on screen, you seem to miss that comment uh, from Bad Lip. Hope you're, hope you're okay, see. It's good to have, it's good to have everybody, everybody in and around. Um, is, is there anything else we want to talk about on yeah. the Sheffield United front? I, I guess if you.
They're all right. There is there was I mean, some big news which broke out recently, and we can kind of transition into it. And the transition I'll use because I like using good transition is we know that talking about top six, there's a big top six hegemony in in the Premier League, and that hegemony could be getting even bigger because I don't know if you have heard about this. But the European Clubs Association has approved and voted for the Swiss model for the Champions League starting in 2023-2024, I think. So this is, I mean, all right, it, sound, it's, it will start to sound good at the start. But as we get towards the near of it, you'll kind of see what I mean by the hegemony and how this can just completely just destroy a lot of things. All right. So I'm going to go off this article. Of CNBC. So basically, the number of clubs participating in the Champions League will be increased from 32 to 36. Now, here's the biggest change. Rather than you know having a bunch of little groups, that whole groups thing is gone. Instead, you have all one big group of 36, and every team plays 10 games, five home, five away, against 10 different teams. And your opponents are determined by previous historical performances right so like real madrid won't just be playing psg right away they're probably going to play like shakhtar and then maybe a psg kind of like that right so now that's a start the the thing is they're they're selling it as well we're expanding the tournament so more chances for more countries to get representation but it's really only like one or two spots increasing for these other countries. So like let me go in, let me make sure I don't get the, the details wrong about this. Yeah, so oh, I just want to see this. Yeah, so the so basically kind of the kind of the whole motivation behind is that the big clubs would want more games. Now if you enter the Champions League, rather than just playing six games, you're guaranteed at least ten, right? Now with those additional four spots, one, two of them are going to be for playoff winners, right? Which leaves two more. One, sorry, one is for a playoff winner. One is for Liga. So Liga now has the same amount of spots as the other big five leagues. The, the remaining two spots are for a club from the big five league, which had a bad season in the league. So imagine like a Tottenham not getting. Yeah. So so. Look at this. <laughs> you remember how Man United didn't qualify for the Champions League because they finished like sixth or seventh? Right? So basically, what you're telling me is we could have absolutely bottled the league more than we already did and made the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. So, honestly. Is it, is, it, is, it worth, is it worth your Burnleys and your Palaces? And, and you know, so, so like we did last season, we were in mix. It, is it... Why don't we just say Tottenham, Tottenham, Chelsea, yeah. Man United, Man City, Liverpool, and one of them. Here's that, another catch. Right, <laughs> uh, let's just let them play Champions League and let's just let us yeah, get I on mean, with the rest of football. Yeah, yeah. The so good because your rage is perfectly, perfectly fair because the max amount of uh, spots you can give, a league can give to, to you know, their, their teams for the Champions League is six. There's top six clubs in... In, you know, from the Premier League, six clubs who are guaranteed Champions League now forever because they're too big. So unless you can somehow crack that top six and like break the Hajj money, you're not getting the Champions League ever. 
So like, so like, say for example, Everton, who are looking like they're on the rise, would probably have to make top six three or four years on the mm-hmm. bounce in order to then crack, say, a team that's looking a bit declining. Like, Arsenal. so for Everton to get in, they're gonna have to crack top four to get into the Champions League. Well, give me one second. So yeah. So anyways, they're gonna have to crack. They're gonna crack the top four, and then if they go anything below top four, if they want to get into the Champions League, they're gonna hope that. One of the one of the other clubs is like I guess been terrible for a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give me one second. And and then they have to play ten games instead of six. Yeah, yeah. Right. So then they get to play more games. So then so then our good friend Jurgen Klopp is gonna sit and mourn that he's got more games <laughs> to play. He's not gonna want to play against in Carabao Cup against little old I don't know. Sell Liverpool. Get let's think of someday. Get Burton. Right. It's a big. It's a big event for Burton. But because he's got to play ten games in this new fancy Champions League, he's going to put kids out, isn't it? So what is a big a big thing for the, the Burton fans or the I don't know the Halifax fans or whatever? Um, suddenly, it's not important to Jurgen Klopp because he's got ten games to play in Champions League. But he's getting all this more money, which just makes that gap between top six and rest of the league bigger. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it seems it seems like a it, it seems like a make the rich rich <laughs> sort of scheme. Like that that's that's how that's the vibe. That's how yeah. it's feeling. Yeah, and that's insane. And the worst. So basically, also we have to remember this is that the Europa League is being expanded, and now there's also the Europa League too. So a lot of these clubs, like Everton, you know, yeah. maybe Leeds, Wolves, etc., these clubs on the rise. This is where they're going. They're going to the Europa League and the Europa League too, and kind of. And well, of- so we'll have about like ten. The top ten in the league will be in a European competition. Then, if like the top yeah. six are confirmed Champions League, yeah, basically, is capitalism bad? True, true so capitalism it's, it's, isn't bad, but capitalism gets shafted, mate. That's that's what it is. No, like if 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 you give the so yeah, this side. So if 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 a team like United who's made the Champions League. They haven't made it plenty of times. We'll, we'll take Arsenal from like 2005 to like 2010. Glorious. And then imagine if they get knocked out. Well, although the years where they yeah. made the Champions League. And then in the following two years, they don't make the Champions League. And they're like the best club not to make the Champions League. They're, they'll make it in. And I, and I don't think... Is that... Is that... The worst thing, because it won't take a spot away from the clubs that the club that made top four anyway. So say if they miss out to, to top four to Everton, Everton so are still making the Champions the League. And I'll tell you, I'll ex- tell you where the problem starts. You can there, there's a cap on how many clubs from one country can compete in European competition. So right now, Arsenal qualifies for the Champions League under that model, even though they're having a terrible season. But guess what? There's a club. Who's not qualifying for Europa League two because of it? So you see, you see how it trickles down. Hmm. I would, and yeah. so would so I assume Leicester at this current moment. No, no, Leicester qualifies. Leicester qualifies because they're top four, right? Let's, let's take a look at the Premier oh, League right, top okay. table. I'll get the Premier League table up right now. Premier League table. I mean, this is this is something that's. Only been a proposal. so so it's always West Ham under that model. It's always or open to see Everton how much under that model. 
Because last time Everton on eighth, seventh, and eighth respectively, one of them. Clubs, they go to the Europa I think League it would be Everton in this hypothetical. So Arsenal would get in based off of Reputation, this. Yep. But then a team that would that should be in Europe, say here, for example, could be Aston Villa, would just miss out on European competition, yeah. despite being higher in the table than yeah. than, than a, why is this? And, and what if you have something no, like, like to the <laughs> And what if you have something like a United and I mean, say uh, an Arsenal and or Tottenham? Let's just say that and United and Tottenham. United is tenth. Arsenal is, or sorry, Tottenham is eleventh. Right? Say you have a situation like that, and then you already have everyone qualify. Now you have to decide which of those two clubs is bigger to send. Right? Oh, we're big. Exactly. Or, or you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever. It's just, and, and the thing is, I. So they're just basically, instead of instead of right. pretending there isn't a big six bias, they're just going to finally yeah. admit it and work towards it. Across Europe now. <laughs> so it's not, just, it's not just us, it's not just the Premier League, it's all the top five leagues. So it's a top five league bias, and within <laughs> them, it's the big, big clubs only. <laughs> I mean, it, it, well yeah, like yeah. this is this basically a step towards a super league. It, yeah. it, it, well, the idea itself seems to be an alternative <laughs> to the super league, which got rejected. <laughs> I, I think this this inevitably I, I, will get rejected because so. it, it I, seems. I think I think the, the European, the big European clubs, they're pushing hard. I think they brought the the reason that they were pushing so. hard for the super league was so they can implement something like this. And remember, this is increasing the amount of Champions League games. And generally speaking, oh, is it like uh, that? Like when, when you ask somebody to, when you want somebody to do something, you always ask them to do something which is a lot yeah. worse first, so they're more likely yeah. to say yes to the second thing. Is that essentially what the Euro- yeah. European Super League yeah. was? And and I mean, I think <laughs> the thing is this: I think all these big European clubs, they their eventual goal is something like the European Super League. This is the compromise of that, right? So you slowly build it up. Like you first show UEFA, look at the money we make off of this. Look at the market share we get because because of this. Right? Because let's be honest, Newcastle versus I don't know Watford is not going to get you a lot of market share in China. But Juventus versus Man United, that will, right? That will draw people in. And ultimately, they want to follow the same model which every country in the world is following, which is the U.S. model, right? Of a closed league system, which is what the Super League was. Ultimately, this all what it's building up to and probably there's still going to be a Europa League and a Europa League 2 right because they won't expand a Europa League 2 unless they thought that there's a potential for that and it will most likely in say like it's not going to happen immediately but another maybe 40 50 years what what you might have is a super league and then like a Europa League which serves as a development and a feeder league and then a Europa League 2 I think Alex just died. Oh, he's back. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I dropped out. No, hey, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I just, I, oh, I, do you know where's he going? Yeah. Where is football going? It's, it's so, it's so getting so structured towards these superpowers. But, but wouldn't you get bored of watching? Juventus on a level, on United, a level, as a Manchester United fan, if that was implemented, I'd I yeah. support Manchester United anymore. Like it's becoming like it's coming like no. what American football is in terms of like the World Series, but global. 
and that's not what it's really about. It's not. It's not about that sort of thing. No. Um. Yeah. No. Nah, that's it's the, the close to home stuff. Them them rivalries that you get. Um. It's just it's it's just complete and utter toss, isn't it? And it, when that sort of thing's implemented, you get you get more games. If I was a big club, I'd be like, well, we're guaranteed, really, to get this mega mega deal. Um. If I'm Manchester United, I can finish 14th, still get Champions League football, mm. all guns blaze that, and completely throw the league out of the way because who cares about that anymore if we end up yeah. topping Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, and Bayern Munich in one competition. Like, nah, <laughs> that, that, that's not it, you. Yeah. That's not the one. Mm. <laughs> it's, 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 it's mental. Okay, if I mean, it's catering towards the the casual. No, I don't think it's so. So, so, so the it's, ca- it's catering to like the the rest of the world, not just England yeah. when, or the the country that the club's from. It's catering to that worldwide audience. So I guess from that perspective, there's, there's it's catering to the majority rather than the minority. But at the same time, like come on. <laughs> but in in that what if when you drop lower down leagues and, and you and. You go into these little grounds, and, and I'm saying little grounds as a as a Sheffield United fan. When you go into Yeovil and you go into, do you know what I mean? Places like that, Borough. We look at what happened with Borough, and that's nobody in global world really cares that much. Nobody in in Australia cares that Borough's gone under. But for them, two thousand Borough fans, that's their football club. It doesn't matter if Bayern Munich are playing Juventus; they want to watch Borough play Rochdale. It's football. It's for the fans, and yeah. you can't you can't start doing that. I'm just totally against it. I'm going to get on phone <laughs> to that Gianni Infantino. And yeah. We're not having that, pal. We're not having that. And the, the worst part is like, you know, like when 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 small clubs come up and they finish like sixth and qualify for Europe, right? And you celebrate like they qualify for Europa League, or hmm. you know, now with the Europa League too, someone who finishes seventh will also be able to qualify. Suddenly, because of the system, because of the fact there's a cap on how many teams go to Europe from each country, suddenly, is, like a lot of these smaller clubs will get screwed over. They're not, they're not gonna have that fairy tale journey into Europe. And now it's like, for if you're a small club now, and or like from, from this 2023 season, your goal, if you if you really want to become, you know, in the upper echelons and have that fairy tale, is literally make top four or make top. Get those automatic yeah. spots. Look at a club like Atalanta's rise. Yes. They're never gonna You'll never get that, that again. And and yeah. if if Sorry. and and because these are getting all this, I was going to say, around. imagine imagine you're that Everton who manages to get sixth, fourth, fifth, but you get told that you can't compete because Manchester United, Tottenham, Arsenal finish low. But we're going to prioritize them. The amount of players that are going to then. There's no incentive for them to stay because they know they can go to an Arsenal, get paid more, and play at, at this level of competition. Now, you'll you'll just have you'll just have what essentially the Bundesliga is in terms of Bayern Munich monopolizing every club in their players, just on an absolute massive world level, which I don't think will be in the long run. I think I don't think it'll be healthy for football. We'll we'll, we'll find ourselves in a position where we no longer have four. Like uh, competitions that like we do. Well, I would go from from the Premier League down. Mm-hmm. I think the amount of the amount of lower league clubs I think could suffer as a repercussion because because of it could could be insane. Yeah, hundred percent. 
And the other the other thing is that with the new club World Cup format is they basically they take eight teams from Europe. And how they take eight teams from Europe is they take the previous four years and any Champions League finalist goes through. And if a team qualifies for multiple Champions League finals, then they just take another team from Europe, right? So it's like, first you have this monopoly coming up of the big European clubs, and then the elite of those big European clubs are then also monopolizing world football with the, the new club world cup format. And like, it, I don't think it stops. I think this is just eventually, the, the way the system we know right now is probably going to, disappear or maybe become something similar to the american system or even like the indian system where they have like these franchises and the franchises basically share revenue a little bit of revenue with the with those clubs down in lower leagues right because the franchises are in a closed system do you think do you do you think that that would lead to more people becoming and supporting the local teams do you feel that may benefit the lower levels of the pyramid because everybody, not everybody's going to be able to go and watch Manchester United play by Munich. There's a level of capacity at uh, Old Trafford and it'll be like Wembley season tickets. It'll be waiting lists forever and ever and ever. Whereas if somebody wants to go and watch Port Vale, they can go and watch live football. Do, we, do you not think that people would just get sick of it and just think, all right, it's on telly. Yeah, it's Bayern Munich, Man United again, but I'm going to watch the, the thing is, when it comes to growing your fan base, especially in the 21st century, like television and streaming is the key. And how you get people to watch your television and watch your streams and make sure that you have, you have, the, you have the primetime TV and like the best, you know, you're on the front page of every streaming platform is by having those marquee players and also by having high quality football. Simply speaking, like a Burnley is not going to have the quality of football which a Real Madrid will have, right? Young fans growing up right now, some of them, a minority of them, will support their local clubs, like every you know people do today. But but vast majority of them, mm. especially globally, are going to be looking at your Cristiano Ronaldo's. Oh, he's a Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona, so on and so forth. I mean, I'll give you an example. When Ronaldo, the most marketable athlete on earth, moved from Madrid to Juventus, guess what happened to all those Ronaldo fans? Suddenly the Madrid shirt was off and the Juve shirt was on. Hmm. But that's not that's not football. Well, it is football, don't get me wrong. It's a different style. I think it's like this. We've had the, with the COVID and we've had these lockdowns and there's, there's nobody in the stadiums. For If it goes in the way that, that you're saying, then... They don't need fans in stadiums. They might as well start putting, do you know what I mean? Stretford End at Old Trafford might as well just be a big wall <laughs> yeah. full of advertisements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that when the TV, <laughs> no, seriously, because then the TV camera pans to it and suddenly Adidas is there and all that and everybody, and then all these young, young people, as you're saying, that are in that way inclined are going to think, oh, I'll have a pair of Nike trainers because Ronaldo's got some on or I'll have a, I don't know, Pogba's wearing a different armband this week or an headband. I'll have one of them. And it'll just become such a just an uh, advertise. Yeah. It is what it is. That's what it is. Become an advert. Football yeah. Is an advert. Yeah. Merchandising. I mean, right now, it, most stadiums are investing in corporate boxes. So yeah, there's going to be fans of the stadium, but it's gonna it's mm. already shifting mostly to cater to your premium fans, the fans who have more money to spend, 
Every stadium right now wants to build more corporate boxes. Liverpool, when they built their extensions, one of the first things they wanted in there were more corporate boxes. And yes, to some extent, you still need, you know, your middle tier, your lower tier fans, because you also need, because you need some of your younger people to come into the stadium as well, who don't have that much money, right? So you do, you do need a cop, right? You need it for the young guy who's going to come in at 20 years old. But then eventually you hope that that guy at 40 is going to have the money to buy those corporate boxes. Right. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I mean, that's just, that's just what's, what's going <laughs> I mean, if you look in American stadiums, right? Yeah. yeah. American I, stadiums have been going yeah, this route yeah, yeah, for a long time. NFL tickets are ridiculously expensive. But those NFL corporate boxes, they come with swimming pools. Mm. They come with bars. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they are proper. Like, they're, <laughs> they're their own thing. The game is just part of the background. I think your clubs, from from the business point of view, I totally agree with you. That's that's what you want. You want somebody paying four hundred pounds to go to match than somebody like me who's paying twenty eight thirty pound. But I could guarantee you now that if you went round Bramall Lane on a Saturday afternoon and said there's thirty thousand in there, and you went round all them people and said, "Would you rather be sat in a box this afternoon with a prawn cocktail and a bottle of champagne?" I would suggest that 98% of those Sheffield United fans would say, you yeah. know, I'd rather sit out. But Sheffield United is not in this elite competition. 100%. That's the thing. Fans of Juventus, no. fans of Man but United, this... there are people, like guys coming from China, guys coming from the Middle East, these tourists, and also some of the richer, richer fraternity of, mm. of oh, Europe. Yeah. They will pay for those boxes. They will pay for that expensive stuff. They want that luxury treatment. And, and do you reckon most of the Manchester... Do you reckon most of them, if you did that at Manchester United, then what, what I've just said, do you reckon that there'd be more people wanting to sell? I think right now, Manchester United? And even Manchester, Manchester City, now that's an interesting one. I don't know about Manchester City. Maybe Manchester City has built that base, but not to the level of United. I think with United, there is a bigger demand for corporate boxes, Man- and there's a bigger demand for those private rooms. Obviously, with United, they still sell enough tickets in their normal, you know, in, in their other parts of their stands, where it makes business tends to keep those stands open but if it's more profitable to invest more and more in those corporate boxes they're going to keep doing it until the marginal utility is literally almost zero yeah i can see i can see that with, i mean with business wide definitely i mean there's scope to increase those boxes but yeah i i don't think it'd be a sort of a yeah. main part take, just yet. This is 20, 30, Maybe 40 years. in the future when, when, yeah, when when there's a shift. But if if nobody has um, any more thoughts on this topic, I, I I think we'll have to move on to the sort of a uh, sort of final one. Um, the England the English national team has got a lot of attention. So Trent obviously got dropped. I'm not sure if he was dropped or if you know Southgate just didn't plan on using him and therefore didn't just didn't call him up. Um, well, but yeah, well, first thing I'll ask all of you is, um, who, who are you starting at right back? And, um, who are you, who, who's your third striker? All of the two English Personally, I, 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 I think, I think, um, transmission wasn't a reflection of his form. He has been a little bit poor this season in parts. Um, but a few of his games have been absolutely shocking this season, but. He is definitely a quality player. The only thing is, when when your manager is playing two central defensive midfielders against the likes of Poland without Lewandowski, um, 
you, you're just not gonna go for somebody who's so forward pressing like Trent is, who's maybe not as good defensively. I think that's ultimately what it's come down to. And if th- that's the sort of stance he's clearly taking, I have no idea why Aaron Ron Bissaka is not in that team. He is in, in he is the best tackling English fullback. I think he would suit what Southgate's looking for a hundred and ten percent. Um, I think it's wrong what he's doing, but I'm trying to look at it from his perspective where he's just very defensive for some reason when the attacking players that we have right now are so, so exciting. Um, I was hoping that Declan Rice would be more box-to-box and maybe pushing a bit further up, but he didn't look like he really was. Um, not as much as you'd, you'd want anyway. But yeah, I, I think it's ultimately come down to a tactical, tactical style. And I think also the fact that Liverpool um, are a lot I have the quality to maybe not have uh, what is looked to be a defensive liability in part this season because of the quality that they have in, in Van Dijk. England can't really afford that with Stones and Maguire. Um, but Stones is a different is a different player when he's not next to Ruben Diaz and Maguire's Maguire. So you know, I don't, we can't really afford to to have that to have a to have a fullback who isn't very defensively depth. I'd go Kyle Walker. Um, obviously, I'm going to do because he's a good <laughs> lad and he come through us. But no, no, there's more reasons behind that. Um, I do think Trent Alexander-Arnold is obviously a very, very good footballer. Um, I do think he's defensively suspect. Um, I think John Stones can be defensively suspect. And I think Kyle Walker's understanding with him at Manchester City, I mean, admittedly overnight, you can have as much understanding as you want when you do that. But Kyle Walker has got the pace. He's 30 years old now, Kyle Walker. If if it was this tournament, I'd say to Kyle Walker, look, this is probably going to be your last one. Maybe one more is not the starter. But I don't... Oh, he's top, and they're top of the league by however many points, and he's playing in that team week in, week out most of the time now. Um, I think your back four is, is Walker. St- well, I know I'm about three of them. I'm not quite sure in the last <laughs> back, but... Kyle Walker is definitely uh, my starting pick. I, I think for me, the eye test has to be Reese James. I, I think he brings a lot going forward and is solid defensively. I, I think Kyle Walker, he's, he's, he's not the same as he once was. Obviously, like he's, he's leading the Premier League by, by however many points, but I, I think Wan-Bissaka is great defensively, but going forward, he's a bit suspect. Um and um yeah, I, I think he's a trend. He's a bit suspect suspect defensively, but I, I think Rich James has it all. But I'll let I'll let Rich answer the uh fallback one before before I move over to the uh I, I, without bias, I, was, I was without suspicion. Bias. I was suspicion. I think Nahian is a secret Chelsea fan. Yeah, Rich is First a little... team of Werner now Reese James. I'm just <laughs> <saying. laughs> I'm not I think I'm gonna say Trippier. It's a Chelsea fan out. Yeah. I think I think I would trip, I, I wouldn't miss a trip here, Atletico. I think I think he's been trip having, is a good play. I think Simeone has really transformed into a solid defensive, not just solid defensive, just a good fullback in general. He's the complete package, I would say, right now. And you know, I also agree with the Walker. Right now, if if the Euros is right now, or even just twenty twenty one, yeah, it's it's. I think those two are probably your best bets. I would have said Trent before. Because, you know, last season, Trent was amazing, right? Like, 
what the um, what he was able to contribute attacking wise and just in general in the midfield, like I think that would have offset any defensive issues, and especially if you have someone like Jordan Henderson and how good Stones has been, right? But it's just not the same anymore. Like this year, it's been a difficult one. After no. Van Dyke's injury, French has been on a downward trend. Hopefully, he can bounce back later. But I don't think he goes at all. Wayne Bissaka, I feel like once again, good player, but I, it's just I feel like Trippier and Walker are the two more mature and better options. And when it comes to defense, because ultimately, even though yes, right backs are meant to attack, defense is still the first duty of any any fullback. And when it comes to defense, you experience matters a lot more. Ah, oh, fair. I mean, I'm looking at. Um... Zay, he agrees with Nakan Rhys James. And for the striker question, he went for Patrick Bumford. Um, so, so, so name your name, name your three then. So, so Kane has, <laughs> Kane to, has to be one. one. DCL. D- DCL. Uh, I think DCL is fair. Um, for the third, um, it depends. You're not looking at you're looking at someone who's probably not going to get much experience, much game time, but could really do with big tournament experience. So for me, it's Mason Greenwood. Um, capable of finishing, can be used either wing as well, a bit of a utility player. Um, probably will be able to come up against, uh, I don't know who we're going to come up against, um, the Kosovo or the Serbia of the group when we've already qualified after winning the first two games, hopefully. Uh, maybe get a start. But yeah, I think I think that's, that, that'll be the most important one. Someone who you would expect you know, to, to take the reins over from Harry Kane, really. Um, I think that's, that's what you have to do. Um, Fourth choice would be Billy Sharp, though. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, I mean, we can't be Jamie Vardy a call, can we? Side, um, it'd be nice, nice if we could. Uh, it'd be nice if we could give Jamie Vardy a call. I, to be honest with you, I think he. I, I've watched Jamie Vardy live, and I weren't. I obviously were impressed with him, but when I saw him live, wow, what a footballer! Mm-hmm. Um, I. I agree with Kane. I agree with Calvert Lewin. I think Calvert Lewin's the target man yeah. as well. Into should we need it? Um, I'm going to stick Watkins. In there. <laughs> um, I think Watkins. See, just said anyone saying I Watkins, think Watkins has shit. done well. <laughs> Look at that. I think I'd stick Watkins in. Um, uh, you've got Rashford who can play there. I think Watkins had a cracking season. I think Villa have had a good season. Admittedly, spent a lot of money, um, but. Yeah, why not see Watkins in there? I mean, Danny Ings, if you really want, but I think either Watkins or Ings are probably my two. I'd have yeah, Greenwood in squad though as well. So just to put that out there. So. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Watkins as well. So DCL Kane and Watkins. Although Bamford, Bamford is a different player, like a completely different player to Kane yeah. and and DCL, which sort of may give him a yeah. Give a reason for picking it, but <laughs> see bad lips doing what uh, what what I said Watkins is what I'm doing whenever anybody says Bamford. So <laughs> I think I think not taking Ings would be a big mistake. I think Ings is just he's such a good player. He's been killing it at Southampton of all places, right? Like if if Ings is not taken, I think then and it's just top six strikers, then it's the top six bias. But I I think you have to take Ings as a third striker. Yeah, but a lot of people say there's Definitely a top six bias, but they should be because better yeah. players <laughs> tend to be at the top. Yeah, at the higher. Yeah. It's a better. And as for as for as for DCL, <laughs> like I feel like the reason 
why DCL is having such a good season right this year. It's not just because he's he's been better, obviously, but the quality of service around him has gone up significantly in the midfield and the wings. I don't know. I, I I'm not convinced, but I don't. Maybe because he's an Everton player, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like they can take someone like a Mason Greenwood over DCL. Yeah, but could you could you imagine someone like Jaden Sancho putting a ball into DCL? Mm, that's fair. That's that's even yeah. even Jack yeah. Grealish cutting you know, in the inside with one in. Right, right. I think Grealish and Sancho have to be the wingers going in. Mm. Like that has to be Sterling. Sterling for me does not get a look in. Grealish needs to be on the wing, and you need to have Phil Foden as the number ten. That's how that. If we don't line up like that, Southgate needs to be shot. I don't know. I am. I don't know. I, I would put Sterling <laughs> instead of Grealish. Is is getting? I feel. I feel like no, no, absolutely not. Nah, I, I think I think Sterling offers. Quite a lot, and he's just—he's—he's no, he's evolved so much as a player. No. Sterling, Sterling, Sterling's good because he has great plays around him. You don't have that quality except for Phil Foden. Foden, Foden is the first name on my team sheet. Grealish is second, Joe Sancho's third, and that from that point on. Why not replace if, if you have with those Grealish players, and play Sterling? Why not put Grealish at ten? Because. This yeah, because the service Foden is the ten. Foden's passing range and accuracy, and the, the, his intelligence is is unrivaled. Jack Grealish is imagine imagine them three plays putting balls into Harry Kane. Harry Kane will score two or three goals a game every game. Doesn't matter who we're playing against, sort of thing with that sort of service in there. And then you can take into the into account that, that any of those players can score whenever they want, really. Um, as well, that that has to be it. Sterling for me, he's a bit too selfish, I think. Um, but also, well, he, he, yeah. I, around him. But, but, yeah. but the thing is, Sterling, I, it has to be. It has well, to be. Sterling plays Champions League, and this is kind of what the importance of Champions League is to national teams. When you play Champions League, you're playing yeah, against some of the best Josh. players in the world, right? Now, Grealish is a great yeah. player, but is he good? Is he ready? Has he experienced play against the German team? Or say a Spanish team, well, Sterling has on a much more regular basis. Oh, we all know, we all know Southgate's too risk averse <laughs> to do it anyway, but <laughs> you know. No, I mean, like even 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 more so than playing against different opposition. Yeah. It's more that big game pressure because because the thing about the Champions League, if you shut down for two or three minutes, you you, you could be out of the competition. And um, the likes of Grealish don't have an experience like that. Although I think Great Grealish is a better player than Sterling, but definitely th- there think, is that mental. Grealish, Grealish can grace any football pitch. I think he's 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 quality. I think and and surprisingly, Mason Mount's not got a mention from anybody, has he? And we've not mentioned Mason Mount, and I think arguably he's 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 doing really well. I was no Mason Mount fan. Well, no, I wasn't a fan. I thought he was all right, and I thought yeah, he was same. below Grealish, and I thought he was below Foden. I've watched him closely the last few games, uh, last few weeks, looking a very, very good player. I, I, um, and to me, you've got to have two of that three inside. You've got to have two of Grealish, Ford, and, and you could. Mount I think. I, Although we've I been think you could put Mount in that box to box role and incorporate all of them if you have a solid defensive midfielder, which mm-hmm. I think Jordan Henderson can play really well. Um, when when he needs to, I think Rice, Rice yeah. definitely, Rice definitely, definitely could. Mm. Um, but I guess it's a case of Henderson. I know Harry Kane's the captain, but Henderson's the captain. You know what I mean? Yeah, he is the captain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Harry Kane's the captain, think, but Henderson's the captain. Like, 
that, 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 that's the vibe I get from the English squad anyway. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of leaders in the English squad in general I, right I now. Do. Yeah, it's looking it's looking good. Um, if if anyone other than I mean, I was going to say anyone other than Dean Henderson, but I think Nick Pope should get the nod. Um, hundred percent. Luke Shaw will be in there, and I think there's anyone really contending with Luke Shaw right now at left back. Um, what about Chilwell? No, I think Chilwell's fell off a cliff. Really, Chilwell's fell off, well, off a cliff. cliff. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's, I think no. I think Luke Shaw. He's, he's been his last few games. He has been outstanding. Yeah. Uh, whereas Chilwell's been again probably a solid six, seven out of ten. Um, but I'm always a bit cautious to go to go too much every, on every because he can certainly the disappear. last few games I've seen him play. Every game I've thought surely he's the man of the match. The what he's bringing to the team right now, offensively and defensively, it, it, it has been incredible. The thing with the thing with Luke Shaw, and this is where the apprehension gets in. Where the Luke Shaw we're seeing right now, four or five games ago, would have picked up an injury and had to start back at square one. And he, that hasn't happened to him this time. Mm. He's not been KO'd against Spain for England. Touch wood. Um, yeah, exactly. But um, we haven't seen him get this rhythm. Whenever he's got a little bit of a sniff, he's then he's then had his leg snapped or he's been he's been um, you know concussed on the pitch. Um, I was live for that game as well, where against Spain, I was I was at Wembley for that one when he got hit, and honestly, like. It was right in front of me as well because I was like front row, and the way his head hit the ground, like it actually made me feel sick. It was disgusting, like to see it. But that's not happened to him um, this time, so I'm hoping. Dude, I'm telling you, Nayan is a Chelsea Nian. fan. It's a secret. Because you're saying, you're saying, you're saying. Like that hasn't happened to him, and, and he's just setting him up to get injured. <laughs> yeah, he ain't got burned the next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never know. To be fair, one of them, one of them lads gets crunching him. <laughs> Matty Lowton just yeah. does him one. Yeah, just be careful. But yeah, I think I think. I mean, but you you, you would pick I Nick, think Pope. Nick Pope. I think I think I think the only question. That the only question I have around Nick Pope is um, whether it's tactical because um, Burnley are really good at closing the space. Uh, Nick Pope knows where to position himself. Burnley's set centre-backs, I think, should probably be starting for England because they are, what they do is absolutely sublime and they play together week in, week out, Tarkovsky and uh, me. Um, they close the gap to a point where the striker really only has one place to shoot and um, that's where Pope stands. Um but, you know, you look at someone who's facing a lot of shots and, you know, saves per game. No one really comes close to Pope in contention. People people talk about... Because he plays yeah, for Burnley. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he does play for Burnley. But if you, you know, you've seen the difference, uh, um, you know, the, the difference that Sheffield have had with a goalkeeper having someone like Ramsdale there and not Dean Henderson. No, but... It'll be the, it'll be the same. Pope, Tom Heaton... So, so, no, no, Tom my... Heaton was on absolutely amazing form and then Pope came and knocked him off the perch. Remember, remember when <laughs> Nick Pope overtook? No, no, Nick Pope overtook Tom Heaton after Tom Heaton had faced thirty-five shots against Manchester United, including one Zlatan Ibrahimovic shot that broke his arm in about the fiftieth, sixtieth minute. Still carried it out and got the clean sheet, putting an absolute shift to got himself an England call up. And a few months later, Nick Pope replaced him because Nick Pope is levels. Okay, we're we we've hit like the hour. Well, we need to hit the hour ten mark, so so we'll close that there. But uh, 
I think you were just going to go on about Ramsdale then, weren't you? That's why I was laughing. I thought there's a Ramsdale coming here. <laughs> <laughs> and Henderson, now we're going to get... You, you better put another hour on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> who, would you pick? who would you guys pick? I know Lou would probably go for Dean Henderson. Uh-huh. And Nahan probably would as well. I'll go Henderson. It, if, if he's playing for United and he, and he goes to the end of the season, well, not the end of the season, but consistently. Well, there's, ru- there's rumours that United are done with De Gea now and he's leaving at the end of the season. So I'd say that suggests he played, obviously, against Brighton as well. Um, Henderson did. But um, in terms of, I think Pope for me is just, just has much more quality. I'll go for the senior goalkeeper. I think age, age I really matters. Okay. I mean, I didn't think Pope's a bad show. Hey, Z agrees with me, I win. That's it. Yeah, I mean, if Z agrees with me. Conversation over, boys. (laughs) I would go Dean Anderson just for the. But yeah, that that, that was fun. Blue Blade, where can we we find you then? So so, so remind everyone. Yeah, so twitch.tv forward slash Lulblade, um, Lulblade on Twitter and um, YouTube. Just just search Lulblade. <laughs> uh, let me get a link to Lulblade's channel. Uh, I'll drop that in. Make sure you give Lou a follow. He's a regular in our drafts. Um, competed, obviously, there a couple of weeks ago and did, did extremely well. Um, it's always good to have Lulblade in. Uh, one of my favorite people in the streaming FM community as well. So make sure you do drop him a follow and give him a bit of love. Blue Blade, any 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 closing comments from you? No, just just thank you for having me, guys. It's been great fun. Uh, been great to chat to you all. And yeah, I mean, if you if you ever are wanting to come Brilliant. on and we we need we we're looking for someone, just let us know. We'll definitely fit you in because I thought you you came up with some really good insights, even even on the non Sheffield related stuff. Like your 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 reaction to Drish's Champions League news <laughs> was like A star grade. Like that was good. <laughs> when we get promoted <laughs> next season, you can have me back on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... And uh, yeah, we we're back on Friday with a uh, Group C. So we have got Bucks yeah. to Bucks Ben, Paggy, Katarina. Before we go, and, what's your uh, prediction? What's your prediction for who's going to win Group C? Nayan. So I, I, I got uh, sorry, I got a DM. I, I got a DM on Discord. I'm sorry, no, I felt like this is important before anyone else answers, okay. Chris Wharton sent me a message yesterday saying, Hey Ali, for the Friday draft ring talking about favourites to win, can you please not mention Jack because he already thinks he's favourite, so it'll be funny to see his face when he said to not be the favourite by anyone. No. When you let the cat on yeah, the back, no, so if you change it, you can't He's not going to see it. <laughs> oh, I hope he won't. So with that being the case, um, there's four of us here. Because none of us say, none of us say to <laughs> I think Ben, I think Ben, Ben, I think Ben's going to win it. I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with Ben as well. Right, I'll go, I'm going to go Katarina then. Oh, Katarina, 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 it's Katarina, yeah. it's Katarina isn't it? <laughs> I'll it's go. hard to say the Yorkshire accent, that. It's the key's cat, he's cat in Yorkshire, that. <laughs> uh, I'll go for the real true Jordy. I'll go for... Go on, Rush, legend. Man. Game legend. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> 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 I'll go for Rashford. Oh, 
What's he doing here? He wasn't, it's not an option, mate. I, I pick Group it. C, you've got Katarina. Yeah. Just say Katarina. Katarina. <laughs> you've got Badgie, Ben. Just say, just say, say Ben, Rish, and say, then we can uh, Alistair. Welcome to the Podly Blade. <laughs> I'll say Badgie. Badgie's pretty <laughs> yeah. solid. I feel like yes, Badgie's going to win it all. <laughs> Undefeated. Invincible season for him. <laughs> go on, then. Go on, then. <laughs> There we go. We got through it, boys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, and for everyone Ch- listening Ch- on the I mean, Kat- on the pod, it's, it's anyone? 7 p.m. GMT? BST? What time are you guys on now? BSC, 7 p.m. BSC on Friday. I, I don't know. Seven. Okay. Okay. Uh, any, any, anyone? I have my uh, Twitch open. Well, I don't. I can't see like who I'm following. So if anybody has any suggestions, well, the two I'm looking at right now, not Delhi but Ali and Katarina, are both online. Feel like it's got to be one of them. More fitting to be Katarina, considering she is in the draft on Friday. And she also thought that I was the yeah, which I'm happy about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's go and let's go and meet Cat, then, shall we? Let's cat. go and meet Cat. Oh, Basically, yeah. Northern Lake. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you be happy that someone thought you're from? I'm not. I said I'm not happy. <laughs> Thermal, uh, thermal has a bigger beaver than Ollie. <laughs> yeah, nah. I'm guessing he's badly, he's bad lip switch a Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fan. He is a Birmingham fan. Yeah, yeah. I actually did. I, I gave Birmingham a bit of love earlier, saying that they're a big club and could probably probably be up there. So, but I don't think Villa are quality. <laughs> no, so. was lucky, mate. You chose you chose the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that was that um, League Cup win. Few seasons ago, you be you be. Oh, it started and it's going quite quickly. No, no, we got, no, just, just let it go. Let it slide out. Let it slide out. Yeah, you can see my drafting with Cam. Okay. Oh, is it size draft right now? Is that that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, size match your draft. Please. No, is it not on today? It's Monday. Uh, uh, fine. I feel like it's no, no. Sunday. I, I yeah, won I it yesterday. Like um, but 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 uh, but but to you know, not 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 to dwell on me winning. A 16-man draft. <laughs> uh, any final words? Um, well, yeah, goodbye from me. See you. Yeah, thank you very much, Lee, for dropping on Friday. Love to see it, and yeah, see you on see you on Friday. Yes, yeah. thank thank you everyone for coming yeah. to our second see live you show, guys. See you.